Hey, this is Jessica. Hi, this is Caitlin. And we're the hosts of Special Lady Day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we host Special Lady Day. We want something from you. We want your Special Lady Day love letters. We want to hear about women in your life that you admire, or women from pop culture, or women from history. Send us these stories. And we'll read them. It'll be great, and it'll be a festival of love and appreciation for all the special ladies in the world. We want to hear from you. To recap, Special Lady Day love letters. Email them to us, specialladydaypodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's specialladydaypodcast at gmail.com. Write us. Yeah. So my acupuncturist has been giving me this point that she's just been calling emotions. What? (laughs) She's been like, I just, I did your emotions. And it's not like a specific one or anything. It's just like this point covers all emotions, which I think is really funny. Because I was like, I'm feeling sad and overworked. And she was like, emotions. (laughs) Wow. Now, when you say point, do you mean like a point that she's putting the needle in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Not the needle itself. Oh, yeah. The needle in my body. And then so lately I've just been like, will you do my emotions? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she's like, sure. It's been working. Yeah. Listen, I did acupuncture after grad school when I had that Mm. weird like jaw issue. But everywhere I went, I was like, I think I grind my teeth. And they're like, no, 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 you don't. And then I went to the acupuncturist and they're like, wow, you really grind your teeth here. (gasps) Yeah. Fix it. And it was amazing. amazing. It's yes. so good. She'll, yeah, she'll look at me and be like, so um, do you have an upset stomach? Or, uh, wow, you didn't get a lot of sleep last night. She just knows. Anyway. God, they're magicians, <sighs> but with needles. Anyways, went to acupuncture <sighs> today. Got my oh little my emotions point pricked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not laughing at you for doing that. It just is like the cutest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I really wish our listeners could witness your like all around wholesome adorableness oh, that I'm thanks. looking at because there's a very cute knit hat. There is yeah. a very cute mug of tea. Yes. You just look, you look like you belong in like a vogue spread but at a lodge we just went skiing and now our cheeks are all rosy Mm. and we're by the fire oh girl scout cookie time is here bt dubs i am so excited they are back and i always liked girl scout cookies but Mm. then i learned how wonderful the girl scouts are recently and i was like Mm. what's that oh you support planned parenthood let's buy three boxes what's that you support trans women 17 more boxes let's go they do all of the things that i want them to do i'm gonna up my cookie count yeah thank you up our cookie count 2020 i was a girl scout but um stop the presses yeah do you want to know what i did though i was a girl scout and instead of actually like trying to earn the badges i went through the badge thing and checked off the things i had already accomplished and then just bought the badge (laughs) so i just cheated (laughs) exactly how i would want to do it yeah i'd have been like yes i did draw a pony once check (laughs) pony badge like (laughs) i'm proud of tiny girl scout caitlin that was really ingenious thanks yeah i was just seeing how little work i could do immediately right hated selling cookies but learned to swear at camp Maybe that's the first special Lady Day t-shirt 
hated selling cookies, but learned to swear at camp. I know. I, I just that. want a shirt that says only that. <laughs> Chat, make it happen. We could even at least make like a little Instagram meme. Well, you're making me happy. That's good. It makes me think that we should take this happiness into the start of our show. Yeah. Caitlin, guess what? Big news. This is special lady day. <gasps> I am Jessica. And I'm Caitlin, and I'm here to tell you that this is a podcast about rad women in history. You were talking about happiness, though. Um, I don't know mm. about you, but this week, it's been kind of a rough one. It was um, a real hellscape. It's been a lot. So, but I think both you and I have been trying to, we've been trying to find joyful things, I think, this week. And I think we've actually been doing a pretty good job. And I had a really good example of this. I did a little reflection on my month a couple on January a week or two ago and um I had remembered it as this like crappy month where I was sick and like da 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 and then I went back and in my planner I've been writing good things that have happened every week and I looked back and was like I actually had a really good month like lots of cool things happened we put out like two really great podcasts went on some really cool dates with Priyush um got a lot of stuff done and it was just totally like I think we can get clouded. We can get super cloudy, but there are some yes. really cool things going on too. So what are some things that have been joyful for you? This is a hard one to admit, but I've really been enjoying watching season five of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. You do what you need to do. I've been watching it on my lunch break. Oh, ingenious. I know. I just like, I play it on my phone. I put these little bluetooth headphones on and i eat my little snack i lock myself in the file room at work it's totally normal uh it's also known as the nursing room but no one is currently nursing and so i'm like well i'm i'm nursing nursing some feelings and a a case of seasonal depression so i there was something else uh there's some good progress on a project that i'm not going to talk about because i don't want to jinx it you're doing good things though there yeah I got to interview Johnny Winjo. <gasps> oh my gosh. And that was a wild ride. That was one of my joyful things. I was like driving to work and I lulled in my car. You guys made me laugh out loud several times and it was so wonderful. <sighs> Thank you. He is not an easy interview, <laughs> let's say, but I'm glad that our mutual frustration for each other could elicit joy mm-hmm. and laughter because it was it was uh fun to hear it in post Mm -hmm. chad did a lot with that i don't know how he works with that guy but it was joyful uh caitlin what were some things that made you joyful this week other than this song i wrote for you right now i love that song that's contributing two things one you were talking about Desperate Housewives, Real Housewives, Real Housewives. Sorry, I get them confused. Real Housewives. Real Housewives. And they're really desperate, so <laughs> <Okay>. it's not, <laughs> you're not far off. Uh, I've been watching the Sabrina remake on Netflix. <gasps> I love it. It's Yeah, it's so good. And this is actually one of those like little joys in life. Um, I was like, oh, wow, there's a new season out. And I didn't realize that I'd somehow missed that season two came out. So I like clicked <gasps> on it and was like, <gasps> I have two seasons to get. It was like a little bonus surprise. It oh. was wonderful. And for those of you guys who don't watch Sabrina, first of all, it has Sally Draper. She's the cutest little button. And then, oh. um, but she's also, I don't know, the whole show is like, it takes a teen drama from the 1990s on the WB and it makes it purely satanic. <laughs> 
And it just hits all the right notes for me. The true evil isn't Satan. Maybe it's the patriarchy. It's just so good. It is every time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. I love, it's a little scary for me. Like sometimes it's too scary Ooh, for yeah. me. But you know, my threshold is that of an infant. <laughs> yes. Watching that. Um, but okay, I guess she's a writer and a podcaster and and maybe i can call her a comedian i don't know if she would identify that but um bim adawanmi i first heard her nerdiest thing ever on um wait wait don't tell me she's sometimes a guest and then she did a guest hosting of this american life this week and i loved what they did they said they're like this is a really dark time we're gonna do this counter programming and we're gonna do an episode all about the feeling of delight she kind of took us through her delight she took us through talking to one of her friends and my favorite little segment they did was hearing a little boy process the fact that he was going to start taking the school bus (laughs) and you hear him going to the school bus waiting he's like it has been an hour and his mom's like it's been 10 minutes and like thinking of who he's gonna be when he becomes a bus (gasps) person and it's just this big moment becoming a bus kid and he's so excited it's wonderful and it bring it made me feel so happy and yeah yeah. so anyways if you're feeling a little low listen i think it's called something about delight just finding little moments of happiness wherever you can I think is really yeah. we're trying. It's not perfect, we are. but I think we're all together. You guys are here. Yep. We're here. We're making it through. Yep. And I think we're like dedicating our episode this week to the feeling of joy. You better believe it. Which perhaps is like one of the most radical resistancey things I think you can do is feel joy. Absolutely. I thought of one more tiny joyful thing. Tell us. We need to hear. Okay. And it's mute. It's shared. It's a mutual joyful Ooh, thing mutual that we experience. Yeah. I'm not going to give all of it away, but I was in contact with someone that we both love very dearly mm-hmm. from graduate school. Yes. I think I can say who it is, right? No, keep it a secret. Not- keep it a secret. Okay. Secrets oh. Secrets make everything more magical. And she, well, and the thing that made me joyful is that she's heard the show. Yeah. She's an OG listener. Oh, I just lost my mind. Yeah. So super keep it oh, secret, keep it safe. Also, can I give some shout outs to some of our listeners? Uh, hello, yes. international listeners. You guys brought me joy. Oh, um, wow. Let's talk about the countries that are really representing. Hmm, Denmark. Hey, Denmark. Uh, we see you. We see all yeah. your listens. Then also Germany. I don't think we what? know you guys. I think you're just, hey, maybe we do. We want to. We're excited. Yeah. Germany, Brazil. Oh, Brazil. Uh, shout out to Ted in Nigeria. I know you're our two listens. We love you. Yay! Yay, Nigeria. What else? What other countries are really representing? Mm. We have some good Canadian support. Oh, yeah. 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 And also, Thank you, our neighbors to the north. first Twitter follower was from Canada. We never gave her a shout out. Yes. Because she knows Chad, not us. Anyways, uh, thank you, Twitter follower. You're wonderful. We can't wait to meet you. When you sent me that text, you're like, I think you said 16 countries? Yeah. And I was so excited because we are international, transnational, crossing borders with our voices. I'm going to stop there. But um, it felt really yeah. cool. So thanks for listening. And we see you out there. And it's so awesome. Send us your oh special ladies, too. Like, we're trying to Many. hit up different countries and things like that. But <sighs> you guys know we're more than we do. Well, 
Caitlin, are you ready? I'm so ready. You have something to tell me. Here's how I want to start it off. I was not feeling like researching this week. Mm-mm. And I know that's a shock to you because I am so focused <laughs> on research every other week when we're getting ready to record. I'd say it's your passion. Sure. <laughs> Definitely my passion isn't, quote unquote, you know, hearing my own voice uh, and <laughs> making jokes that I enjoy. No, it's research. And so this week was harder than normal. <laughs> And I found my person and I was just feeling really discouraged because I wanted to do a good job and I was so tired and work has been really, really intense and I haven't had a lot of time. And then I discovered this interview of her online, this videoed interview, and getting to actually see her and hear her talk brought me so much joy. I mean, not to put to find a point on it. She's such a warm, open wonderful individual it just radiated through the youtube channel and i was like <laughs> I, love that. Oh, I like her so much and i was aggressively writing notes anyway caitlin my love mm-hmm. i would like to introduce to you drum roll please dr alexa kennedy a neurosurgeon from the beautiful state of michigan whoa okay cool I've never heard of her before. Well, hold on to that adorable cap because we're going on an adventure. I want to shout out my three sources. Biography.com has a wonderful little profile about Dr. Kennedy. I also got quite a bit from a website called Changing the Face of Medicine. And there's a lovely profile there. And then what really kind of sparked sparked the excitement for me was this fantastic PBS show. Okay, so it's PBS, but it's WSRE Pensacola, and the show is called The Aware Show, and its host, the host is named Dee Dee Sharp, and let me tell you what, that last name is a perfect description for this amazing host, so sharp. Oh my god. So with it. Excellent questions. So I was I was like falling in love with both of them at the same time. I was like, what? How do I... Too many special ladies. So many. And there was two other ones being featured on that show, but I was I didn't even have time. Could only listen to the first part. But yeah, so we're gonna definitely have to link to that. The aware show. Right now I am the only comment on the video on the YouTube channel. (laughs) I really wanted them to know how much I loved it. So I think we should all go and watch it. Yeah. And leave comments. It only had like two hundred and eighty views. Let's boost that. And it was from April of twenty nineteen. It was recent. Okay. Yeah. But here we go. Here's a little story <clears throat> about Dr. Alexa Irene Kennedy, neurosurgeon. Let's start at the beginning. Dr. Alexa Kennedy was born on November 7th, 1950 in Lansing, Michigan. I'm going to kind of go back and forth between these articles and then things that she said like in the interview because okay. I took a ton of notes when she was talking. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Kennedy, if you hear this and you're like, I, I said that exact thing. Yes, you, yes, you did. Um, I'm quoting you and you're wonderful. And oh my God, I think you're so amazing. Okay. So she talked a lot about how she came from a family of learners. Education was mm. a focus. Love it. Uh, specifically, her grandmother was a professor at Lane College in Tennessee. Her grandfather on her mother's side was a pharmacist graduated from pharmacy school in 1921. 
Her father was a dentist, and her mother worked in education. Oh, my gosh. So, like, smart, capable, coming from this family of incredibly intelligent people. And something really interesting happens early in her life. She told the story, and I my react I literally yelled "Shut up!" at my computer. <laughs> so when she was in second grade, she was an average student, like kind of normal grades. Didn't you know nothing too spectacular necessarily. And her grandmother was visiting, and she was taking a course at Michigan State. And in the course, they needed test subjects, like to. Okay. bring subjects in and like test them and see what their um how they did on different sorts of academic tests right different subjects mm-hmm. she, it was really cute she's like and my grandmother was like i have these grandkids so let's evaluate them let's go here it yeah. is <laughs> which i thought was really sweet uh so they test dr kennedy and she's off the charts she's testing wow. really high and so the professor actually goes to the elementary school principal and says, hey, you've got a student with an amazing amount of ability. What are you doing with her? Like, what's happening? What's this disconnect? So the principal Mm -hmm. gets out the tests that show just like very average ability. And they're like, this doesn't, you know, like this doesn't match Mm -hmm. up. So they keep investigating. Turns out the teacher had been lying about what student had gotten those scores because Dr. Kennedy, we can assume it's because she's African-American. So like switching the scores, like not saying that she had done really well on these tests, hiding it. Does that not blow your mind? Yes. Here's the thing though. Yeah. She didn't know. And she didn't find out until high school, which was probably like really smart if you think about it. And the teacher ended up getting fired. It was a whole thing. So literally taking the high test scores of this young woman in second grade and giving them to someone else. And then imagine being that kid who thought they were a genius. (laughs) (sighs) Right? If that isn't such a clear example of like white privilege and white supremacy right there. Um, Getting told you're good at all sorts of things and you deserve all sorts of things. Right. You don't. You don't. You do not. But so now we're going to jump ahead a little bit. One of the things she also said that I really loved is she was like, anything I wanted to do, my parents would support it. You know, I, oh, I'm taking this advanced geometry class, but I would like in high school, but I would also like to be private, like independently tutored in advanced algebra, which like wasn't done. They're like, okay, do it. So she goes to get her undergraduate degree at the University of Michigan. And she thinks she wants to be a mathematician, but she is not loving it. She's struggling in her own words. She's like, as was evidenced by my lack of attending class. Like she is just (laughs) not having it. And it's summer. She already has a summer job at the university newspaper. But her brother says, you know, there's this other summer job, this program at the health and sciences department you should do it you should go out for it in the interview she was like and i did because i wanted to buy a car and (laughs) goals (laughs) goals she was like so i could do that in like internship program during the day and then 
my job at the newspaper didn't start till five. And if I just did that the whole summer, I'd have like a year's worth of car payments saved up. Right. And I could buy a car. Well, turns out she discovered her passion. Yay. Yay. She said, quote, this is a direct quote when she's talking about this health and sciences program. She said, because of that, I found medicine. I worked in a laboratory and fell in love with it. And after that, there was no alternative. I found something I loved. And that's what you make a life out of. That's amazing. Yeah. But it's still obviously going to be a real uphill battle to get exactly where she needs to go. One, Okay, just one other note about her being... Uh, before she discovered what she loved. One thing that I appreciated is in the biography, it talked a little bit about how she had sort of a crisis of confidence. Mm -hmm. And I'm always amazed (laughs) when I hear about these highly, highly successful people and they'll be like, oh yeah, I had a crisis of confidence. I really love knowing that. (laughs) Yeah, because you're like, what? You? No, never. How? How? But yeah, turns out other people have. So she really is focusing on medicine. This is where her love is. She heard of a chance to win a minority scholarship in medicine. It's its instant connection for her. And on top of all of that, her skills in writing and debate help earn her a place in the University of Michigan Medical School. And she graduates cum laude in 1975. So just rocket ship, right? But even though that's all happening, of course... It's not smooth sailing, right? Mm-hmm. There was one one comment about uh, when she was completing her surgical internship at Yale New Haven Hospital in 1975 on her first day of residency. While she's attending to her patients, one of the hospital's top administrators passes through and says to her, or he, she hears him say, mm-hmm. oh, you must be our new equal opportunity package. Yeah. That's well, so, ugh. But guess what, asshole? Just a few years later, when she's working as a neurosurgeon at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, she she is voted by her fellow physicians as one of the top residents. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Screw off. Also, I haven't mentioned this yet, but she was the first African-American woman to be a neurosurgeon in the United States. Oh, my gosh. The reason I didn't start with it is because something she said in the interview because they were talking about this like oh my gosh you were the first african-american woman like that's incredible and she said quote being first was not anything about what i was i wanted to be a neurosurgeon and that was the goal and the other came just because of happenstance so i sort of wanted to sort like shape the story around that put that as her headline yeah yeah like it's incredible, obviously. It's totally amazing. And her life is amazing. But this is what she wanted, and she did it. And that's who she was. Even though her parents, this was the one thing she said that they really pushed back on. They were worried about her doing, going into this uh, area of medicine, because they were worried mm-hmm. that she wouldn't be able to do it because of the obstacles and that it would break her heart. And so as much as they were always, I mean, they weren't, they didn't like get in her way, obviously. But, you know, it was just this like, she mentioned, she's like, it's the only time they ever pushed back on me. <laughs> like, they were always just like, yeah, go for it. And then they were like, oh. Which shows like what a big dream that was. A huge dream and what that actually meant. She was chief of neurosurgery at the Children's Hospital of Michigan from 87 until retirement in June of 2001. 
She has two honorary degrees, a Doctorate of Humane Letters from the University of Detroit Mercy, awarded in 97, and a Doctorate of Science degree from the University of Southern Connecticut, awarded in 99. She received the Children's Hospital of Michigan's Teacher of the Year Award in 84. She was inducted to the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame in 1989. In 93, Whoa. she received the American Medical Women Association President's Award. And in 94, the Distinguished Service Award from Wayne State University Medical School. And then in 2002, the Detroit News named Dr. Kennedy Mission Michiganer of the Year. Oh, oh my gosh. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't either. <laughs> so many incredible yeah. accomplishments. Um, another thing that she talked about in the interview that I really loved when this host, I can't, I'm not over the host, Dee Dee Sharp. So yeah. incredible. So amazing. So on point. But she's asking her, like, what do you have like a favorite story, a memory, like a favorite case that you look back on? And she told the story about they had a 10 year old boy come in. I think he was 10. A young boy came in and it was presumed that he'd had a stroke. And mm-hmm. so she's doing these tests and she was like, I don't know. This doesn't look right. Like, I'm not seeing mm-hmm. the, the things I should be seeing. She's doing some older tests aside from the MRI. It's just not showing up the way that she shot, she thought that it should. And so then her and another practitioner kind of get into this serious discussion for 20 minutes because she's like, I know this sounds weird, but I think we should take a sample of the tissue. Like, I think yeah. we should do surgery. And he's like, oh, I don't know. And they go back and forth. They decide to do it. Well, it turns out that this young man had not had a stroke. He had a tumor. Oh, wow. And they were able to get it out and save his life. Oh, my God. Because she had this gut instinct to be like, no. Let's just check. Yeah. We're going to check. It doesn't seem right. Like a life or death situation. And That's amazing. Even just hearing her talk about like the reason that she loved working, because specifically she worked as a pediatric neurosurgeon and she loved playing with the kids. She's like, I love children. I always knew that. That came from like, a young age. And then she loved neurosurgery, but it's such a big field, she said, that she wanted to be an expert at something. And so she was like, I could be an expert at this, at pediatric Mm -hmm. neurosurgery, right? Just hearing her talk about, like, this is how I listen to my patients. This is how I get them to tell me what's going on. I would watch a child grow up. I would care for them for their whole childhood. I'd meet their whole family, right? Just, like, really sweet and amazing. Ugh. I like her. I just like her so much. A couple notes about what she's doing now. Well, she retired. But then, guess what? That didn't last long because she's down in Florida. And she's at a conference because she always goes to this conference. And Pensacola Sacred Heart Hospital is like, oh, we really need a pediatric neurosurgeon. And she was like, "Uh, I'll just work part time again. She's back in it. And... Apparently, according to her, part-time meant she was, like, just not working Sundays. But she'd been working, like, over 100 hours a week for 30 years or something. I'm complaining because I have to work on Fridays again. I know, right? (laughs) I'm like, it's so hard. I'm like, I have to work during the day and at night for an hour. But she loves it. She loves it. It seemed to me from the interview that she is fully retired now. She is playing competitive bridge. Because, of course, and spending some time with her husband that she said 
kind of got the short end of the stick for like 30 yeah. years. So I'm she- like, he's probably like, um, I've been waiting. <laughs> Hello. She's like, I'm saving brains. So <laughs> I know. what are you going to do? She's like, do? you get Sundays. <laughs> We're, gonna, we're all going to go watch this interview because she's so warm and she's so amazing. And I just have a couple more quotes from her to close out the amazing story of Dr. Alexa Irene Kennedy, the first African-American woman in the United States to become a neurosurgeon. I am going to say it a couple of times because that is amazing. But mm. at the very end, Dee Dee Sharp asks her, you faced... I'm paraphrasing, of course, but like you faced a lot of barriers because of racial prejudice, because you're a woman. And what would you say, perhaps, to young, you know, to someone in the same sort of situation facing the same barriers? How do they go past it? How do they get through it? Right. Like, what would you do? And she said, I think you have to not let other people define you. You have to know yourself and understand their problem versus your problem so that so you can't give yourself and your sense of self-worth to somebody else. I need to remember that. I so admire her. Her story is wildly inspirational. Just her strength and her wit and her incredible composure and how she faced everything head on. Obviously, she went through a lot to get where she was yeah. because this country is a racist cesspool. But... It was what she wanted, and she did it. And I really like that. I mean, no matter who you are, it's so, so easy to believe the things that people think about you. Yeah. And to get kind of anywhere, you have to move beyond that and narrate your life in your own way. And I think that's so applicable to anybody trying to do anything. Yeah, that's such a good lesson from her. I mean, I'm just going to throw this out here. It will never happen. But um, Dr. Alexa Irene Kennedy, if you're ever in the Northwest and you want to talk to a couple of nerdy ladies about neurosurgeon stuff. Oh, we want to hear it all. I want to hear all the stories. We're ready. We're super ready. I get a little queasy, but it's fine. So that's my special lady, Dr. Alexa Kennedy. Look her up. We're going to watch that. I can't. I cannot wait. I feel like... That's become a trend for Special Lady Day as we, like, find these YouTube stations that we're like, how is nobody watching this? I know. Seriously. Mm-hmm. We've got to get people on this PBS station because it's it's putting out some good content. I'm not not joking around. Um, spe- speaking of good content, that's exciting. Caitlin. Okay. So yeah, so we had a little bit of special lady magic on my end because my birthday is on Tuesday when this episode comes out. And so I was really excited about it anyways. Um, But I, and I'd like found this awesome lady and I was doing, just like looking at her biography, things like that. And then it was, guess what? Oh, maybe we both share the same birthday. Get out of town. Maybe we're soulmates. I don't know. I love her so much. She's my idol and she brings me a lot of joy. Are you ready to meet Florence, a.k.a. Flo Kennedy? <gasps> Do you know her? I feel like I might a little bit, but I can't 
Please. Oh, I'm so excited. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Um, She's a lawyer and she was a political activist. Here are some things oh. that she did. She fought in the courts and on the streets for abortion rights. She represented the Black Panthers. She was a founding member of the National Women's Political Caucus. And <laughs> best of all, she led a mass urination by women protesting a lack of women's restrooms in Harvard. That's amazing. And actually, to kind of describe her activism, I love this quote. It's from Mayor David N. Dinkins of New York, former mayor. Uh, And he said, if you found a cause for the downtrodden of somebody being abused someplace, by God, Flo Kennedy would be there. Ah! I know. It's amazing. But wait, is she like a lawyer, political activist, superhero? Absolutely. But she was also known and recognizable everywhere for her cowboy hat and pink sunglasses. Okay. Listen. She's a master of outfits. I am not ready. I'm not ready. Okay. (laughs) She's so good. Well, you had me at public urination demonstration, but then you really had me at pink sunglasses and cowboy hat. Gloria Steinem remembering... Flo Kennedy, after her death, said she understood what Emma Goldman understood. There has to be laughter and fun in the revolution or it isn't a revolution. (laughs) I love that you can be serious. You can be a force of nature and you can also be silly and wear cowboy outfits to do your job. Um, But just to give you an example of Flo's kind of... um, what Steinem calls her razor-sharp wit. When the two of them were doing lectures together in the 1970s, um, sometimes, like, typically a man in the audience would often stand up and be like, are you feminists? Are you all lesbians? And Flo would respond, and she'd say, well, that depends. Are you my alternative? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God bless her. Um, yeah. God, I love bless her. So to kind of sum it up, um, and this is Gloria Steinem's words again, uh, Flo was a political touchstone, a catalyst. Five minutes with Flo will change your life. So let's change our lives together. Okay. Um, yeah. Really quickly. I just got uh, so eager. I know. She's so cool. Okay. Really quickly. Um, I have three articles that I'm – pretty much just reading to you guys but one is her obit in the new york times by douglas martin and it's so comprehensive i was like i guess i'll find other articles just to like make sh- do my due diligence but i also got a great one from biography.com and an article from vice by aaron barksdale so her childhood she was born on february 11th the specialist days of all days uh 1916 and she grew up in kansas city missouri um, her father was a porter and owned a taxicab business. And I'm getting some quotes about her childhood from her amazing autobiography that has my most favorite picture of her of all time. And it's called Color Me Flow, My Hard Life and Good Times. But she actually, you know, it's kind of interesting because she had kind of a similar childhood in the way that her parents' attitudes were towards her, like, you're a special lady, like, really, really encouraging. And so here's what she says about her parents. She said, uh, we were taught very early in the game that we didn't have to respect the teachers. Oh, she's talking about school. Uh, We were taught very early in the game that we didn't have to respect the teachers. And if they threatened to hit us, we could act as if they weren't anybody we had to pay attention to, which is kind of amazing. Great. So right away, um, if she's going to respect you as an authority figure, you have to earn it. 
or else she doesn't care, which I think is an amazing lesson. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And her father was this amazing example of going to extreme measures to defend yourself or defend what's right. Um, And she remembers that her father showed up at school with a gun because the principal had threatened to whip her. Oh, my God. So her dad was like, you're not doing that. And also her father once stood up to the Ku Klux Klan with a shotgun. That's amazing. So this is a very brave man. And it's kind of interesting, like, her family grew up poor, but her mother named Zella had this really interesting way of even, like, resisting their circumstances, which is kind of cool. So it's, like, kind of always seeing beyond or not being put down by the authority figures around you or even your financial situations. So this is what she says. Zella never accepted poverty, and yet she didn't resist either. And we laughed a lot when we were really desperately poor. Um, She says of her mother, she always made an effort to maintain some kind of aesthetic surroundings. She was determined to have rose bushes, although our yard had too much shade. But every year, Zella decided that she was going to have grass and roses. We never had a single rose from any of those bushes, yet she persisted in going out and buying them. Zella, it was Zella who epitomized hope for us. She never gave oh up. Oh, my God. Yeah, like seeing the reality around you and just saying it doesn't have to be that way, which I think is really important for political activists and anyone. And so I love the way she describes herself in high school. She was a little more outspoken and a little crazier than the rest. And she said she was more interested in boys than politics. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> So after graduating high school, she wasn't really interested in academics. And so she opened up a hat shop in, Can- hat shop in Kansas City with her oh. sisters. Yeah. So they just kind of went and did their own route. Um, but she started to get involved in politics because um, she helped organize a boycott when the local Coca-Cola bottler refused to hire black truck drivers. So that was kind of when she was like, oh, Things are kind of messed up in the world. I want to somehow get involved in changing it. So after her mother passed away, um, she and her sister moved to New York. A lot of people just urged her like, oh, you're a woman, just become a teacher, which I mean, I take, I'm kind of annoyed by that because I'm like, everybody always says just a teacher. And I'm like, excuse me. (laughs) Um, Teachers are like, founding our future generations of critical thinkers and if you ignore them you ignore the future anyways she really wanted to be a lawyer and she wanted to enroll in pre-law courses at columbia university and she said i find the higher you aim the better you shoot she is a quotable woman we're gonna get so many more but i love that she's just like because i'm always like if i shoot too high the disappointment is gonna be bigger when i don't get it and no the higher you aim, the better you shoot. Wow. Uh, she did have to fight for her right to be admitted to Columbia University. She actually ended up having to sue. Uh, what? Because they they didn't admit her and they said that it was because she was a woman and not because she was black. And she was kind of like, when you say that, it's the same thing to me. You're saying that you're like not letting me in. Right. And so um, she sued them. Or, well, she threatened... Uh, discrimination suit and she was accepted to Columbia Law School and when she was there she was one of eight women in her class and the only black person so yeah she's really on her own she did study law and she graduated Um, she worked briefly for a Manhattan law firm before opening up her own office Um, but business really wasn't that great and there was one year where she even had to like take a job in retail just to pay rent 
Um, but she did end up representing some really interesting familiar faces. Um, she represented the estates of Billie Holiday and Charlie Parker. What? Yeah, to recover their money. Yeah, because, um, and the death of Billie Holiday is really sad because the record companies basically were just like, we're not gonna let you have any of your money. And so, um, Flo had a part in this. And she said, um, handling the Holiday and Parker estates taught me more than I was ready for government and business, delinquency, and the hostility and helplessness of the courts. Not only was I not earning a decent living, there began a series of questions in my mind about whether practicing law could ever be an effective means of changing society or even of simple resistance to oppression. So she became um, kind of disheartened with her law career sure. um, after course. that. And she started to see that there were some fallbacks. So she turned to political activism. And she started this amazing organization called the Media Workshop, and it was to fight racism and journalism and advertising. She would basically try to provide this workshop to large Manhattan ad agencies. But when the Benton and Bowles, this big, large Manhattan ad agency, refused to provide the workshop um, for its company, the group picketed outside of the Fifth Avenue office, and then they were invited upstairs. So um, she has this saying that came out of this that says, when you want to get to the suites, you start in the streets. (laughs) She basically, um, ever since then, was kind of disrupting all over Manhattan. And I have some examples of some of her accomplishments. Uh, Increasingly, her legal cases got more and more political. And when asked about that, um, she said, sweetie, if you're not living on the edge, then you're taking up space. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know. Just pick she a was, quote from her. Anything she says. She was she was too good for this world. I know. She is. Yeah. So she basically lives by that. She's like, I'm going to keep pushing the edge. And I'm going to keep seeing what I can accomplish um, with my law degree and kind of my new interest in activism. She represented H. Rap Brown, the civil rights leader. Um, she sued the Roman Catholic Church for interference what? in abortion. And um, she coined the often repeated phrase... If men could get pregnant, abortion would be a sacrament. Oh, my God. I feel like she... Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I can't talk. I'm amazed. I know. She's... Yeah. So, anyways, she's, like, literally... And if you think about that former New York mayor, anywhere people need help, she's there. Um, she basically helped uh, the legislature um, liberalize in New York State its abortion law. Wow. In 1969, she represented 21 Black Panthers on trial in Manhattan for wow. conspiracy. They were acquitted. And then during the trial, she used them for a different purpose. Um, they went to this restaurant that they knew um, didn't accept Blacks or Jews. It created quite a commotion. And so they kind of were resisting this restaurant as well. And someone kind of asked her, like, well, you have this life and death trial, these 21 Black Panthers for conspiracy for bombings. But then you also have you're raising these questions about, like, serving dinner at a restaurant. Like, don't you see them as not really the same? And she Mm -hmm. said, you have to fight on all fronts all the time. It can be as simple as a dinner or it can be a life or death case. And they're all equally as important, Um, which I think is so true. Oh, wait. uh, Did she found the feminist party? Maybe she did. And the feminist party's first action was to support Shirley Chisholm's presidential candidacy. (gasps) And I feel like we have to have an entire episode someday devoted to Shirley Chisholm. And the only reason I haven't chosen her is because I'm so intimidated because other people have done it so well. But yeah, so for those of you who aren't aware, Shirley Chisholm was, I think, the first 
black female woman to run for president and had a very successful campaign. I mean, she didn't win, but had a very loud, successful campaign. And um, her campaign slogan was unbought and unbossed. (laughs) Flo was there, of course, supporting her with her own political party called the Feminist Party. I'd never heard of it before. I want to join. Yeah, (laughs) Jessica's raising her hand. Um, So then uh, she started kind of a new career, and it all started by attending a rally against the Vietnam War in Montreal. And um, there, Bobby Seale, who was a Black Panther, wasn't allowed to speak. And so she basically started this big commotion. She says, I went berserk. I took the platform and started yelling and hollering. And so out of that action, just being really outraged by the silencing of this man, she was invited to speak in Washington. Kind of what followed after that was a 20-year career in lecturing. Wow. And so at one point, she made $3,500 a lecture. And I'm sure that's like 1970s, 1980s dollars. So that's like pretty good. She basically toured doing lectures with Gloria Steinem. So Gloria Steinem has a lot to say about her, which, and you can tell she just speaks about her so lovingly. Um, She called them the Thelma and Louise of the 70s. And I know, just imagine them on a little road trip together, just supporting women. It, yeah, it was really cool. And Steinem said, I definitely spoke first because after Flo, I would have been an anti-climax. You know who the closer is. Yeah. And so um, just a little bit more about her life. We're kind of moving towards the end. Um, She did fall in love and marry once. And the only reason I added this, because we kind of have gone back and forth, like, do we talk about spouses? Do we not? But this is, I think, just kind of funny. Um, she married a man named Charles Dye in, uh, 1957. He was 10 years younger than her. Um, he died a few years later from complications from alcoholism. And she, about it, she says, anyone who marries a drunk Welshman doesn't deserve pity. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So I think she was kind of very clear about like what the marriage was about and it was rough, but she was also like, I got myself into it, and this is what happened. She doesn't really have a positive outlook on marriage, though, and um, when asked about it, she said, why would you lock yourself in a bathroom just because you have to go three times a day? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I think um, this is a good time for me to describe to you the photo that's on the cover of her autobiography. Um, It's definitely going up on Instagram. And this is actually how I saw her first. I feel like our fairy godmother podcast, Unladylike, which has kind of got me even thinking about feminism and podcasting. They just posted a picture of her one day on Instagram and I saved it because I was like, who is this wonderful looking woman? And... um, The cover is she always would wear this leather cowboy hat. She often would wear like a leather vest and it's 70s. So she almost has this like spaghetti Western look. She has like the Prince cross, I think, like somewhere on a ring. And then she's flipping off the camera, which apparently is like her signature pose. She's just flipping you off. Yeah. (laughs) And she's wearing this sweater underneath her little jacket and it's black. And it almost has like a Christmas pattern. But instead of pictures it's just over and over and over again the word bullshit 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 (laughs) this is her look 
She was always kind of outlandish, wore whatever she wanted. I feel like it's the way I thought I could dress as an adult when I was, like, I went through this cowboy boot phase when I was very young. And I just think I, like, she just kept that going of wearing whatever you want. I'm just really quickly, uh, we're going to need to revisit this quote unquote cowboy boot phase that you have in a later (laughs) episode because I have a lot of follow up questions. But please continue with your profile. Do we have photos of me at a renaissance fair as a tiny (sighs) child watching people joust while I'm in cowboy boots? We definitely do. (laughs) It's your birthday when this is coming out. Stop giving gifts to me. Okay. (laughs) Stop Um. giving me gifts. All right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So let's go to the end of her life. Um, Okay. This is something, and I think this is just so emblematic of who she is. For her 70th birthday, she asked to be roasted by her friends and colleagues in New York City. (laughs) So she, like, hosted her own roast. That's amazing. (laughs) I know. It's so, like, you have to have just this certain, like, there's nothing you can say that's going to hurt me and I'm going to enjoy this because this is what I want for my birthday. (laughs) So her health failed. Um, but, uh, and this is, I totally did not write this line. Um, I believe this is autobiography.com. Her health failed, but her spirit did not. Uh, so she keeps working and I'll kind of tell you what she does, but this is a quote she says about herself. I am a loud mouthed, middle-aged colored lady with a fused spine and three feet of intestines missing. A lot of people think I'm crazy. Maybe you do too, but I've never stopped to wonder why I'm not like other people. The mystery to me is why more people aren't like me. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I want to walk down the street and be like, why aren't you like me? <laughs> so she, yeah. So basically, even kind of like right before she passed away, she remained active. And even when she was bedridden, she was working for other people. Um, at the age of 81, she was involved in a sexual harassment case and uh, at a large civil rights organization. Um, and she died only a few years later um, at the age of 84. So she's just like, I'm in bed, but I'm not stopping. Um, and just lastly, I have a quote from Justice Emily Jane Goodman of the New York State Supreme Court. I just want us to end this way. She showed a whole generation of us the right way to live our lives. And that's Flo Kennedy. Flo! The most amazing woman. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you just want to walk down the street with a sweater that just says bullshit, bullshit, bullshit? More than anything in the world, and I didn't even know I wanted it. She fought for other people. It was rough, but she lived this life of joy. And I think I need to frame a picture of her and put it on my inspirational wall. Oh, thank you, Caitlin. That was incredible. Yeah, she's amazing. And I'm so freaking honored to share a birthday with her. Yeah. Let's say this again. If you're not living on the edge, you're just taking up space. I feel I got verklempt there at the end. I know. I got, I got a little bit. I just. That's okay. Verklempt with joy. <laughs> verklempt with joy. That's what this whole episode is about, really. I like that. I like that both of the people that we covered, there's a single mind, maybe not single mindedness. There's a focus. There's a determination. Yeah. There was a, well, this is just what we're going to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like, just not taking people seriously who are being pieces of shit of course you and i interact with so much less of that in so many ways right absolutely but it's still amazing to observe it and learn about it and hear it and it makes me think in moments of say like 
experiencing sexism. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we absolutely can apply that idea, right? Of like, no, actually, <laughs> I see what the obstacle is, this arbitrary, unfair obstacle, and I'm going way ahead of it, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah. On the other hand, there's this part of me that's like, okay, well, how do I live my life so that other women who are facing so many more barriers than me, how do Mm -hmm. I, like, clear the street, so to speak, right? Like, how do I tackle someone out of the way? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what I'm imagining. Um, Well, I think some of it is, like, being there. Yeah. Just being, like, being there and being like, no, you can't do that to somebody. I think that's clearing the way because it's clearing out their bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Oh my God. Hey, Lynn. Okay, I understand this isn't like technically your birthday right now, but yeah. when this plays, when this comes out, it's gonna be your birthday, and I'm gonna be so excited. Specialist lady, her name is Caitlin. I have this tiny stuffed animal dancing in the camera. I am so. That's <laughs> not gonna make sense to anyone, but you saw it, so you. <laughs> but know there is a real. tiny stuffed animal dancing around. Yeah. yeah. That's all you need to know. I am so excited you were born. It really oh. worked out for me. I gotta say. <laughs> I'm so glad it's worked out. <laughs> uh, and I know my birthday isn't until October, but as a self-centered Libra, I'm already thinking about it. And all I need for my birthday, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is a framed photo of you in cowboy boots at a renaissance fair. I can make that happen. <laughs> can you? I can absolutely make that happen. Yeah. I just I just love you. I don't have anything I good did. to say. I'm just so excited it's your birthday and that we're doing this oh, and that you're thanks. the specialist lady of all the days. And this is your day. And I hope that it's really special. I'm so excited for my day. Well, this has been a very joyful episode. I'm really excited mm-hmm. about it. And in honor of your birthday, I'm going to seek out more joy as to be subversive in your honor is there a joyful thing you have been thinking about doing or desiring oh boy well one joyful thing that's coming up that i'm so excited about is that in about a month it might be two months i don't remember right now i'm gonna go see patty smith and her band play oh my goodness for the second time, because I'm so lucky, uh, with my good friend Mary, and I, that whole month is a crazy month of concerts. I'm also going to see Bikini Kill for the first time. Yay! They're reuniting and playing a show in uh, Olympia. I'm kind of like holding my breath for those mm-hmm. concerts. Yeah, like, they're going to yeah, be yeah. so amazing. Can I tell you, instead of me finding something joyful, can I tell you a really funny Patti Smith story? Yes, always. And I don't know if I've told you this before. So Patty Smith, randomly, I lived in I lived in Lugano, Switzerland for two and a half years, and somebody mm-hmm. who worked at the school I was going to knew Patty Smith and was like friends with her. What? And so she's yeah, and so she started her book tour in this tiny town. Yeah, I think called Montagnola. And so she started her book tour there, and she did like a reading or something. And I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I don't really listen and especially at that time i was like i know patty smith's like a person i know she's a thing but i didn't don't really follow her Mm -hmm. and i had this really i had this really good friend who was a 
Patti Smith fan. Loved oh. her so much. Was so excited. And so she was going to go. There's this little um, Herman Hesse Museum in Montagnola because he lived there too. The smallest of towns that has these convergences. And so we were going to go see her. And I was like, cool, I'll come along and be a fun friend. And we weren't getting in somehow. It was like crowded or something. And mm-hmm. so my friend was like, naturally really upset and she was just like screw it you know what whatever I'm just gonna go home like there's no way we can get in it's sold out and I for some reason was like I'm kind of curious I'm gonna stay so I stayed and was like waiting for the talk and then like Patty Smith just walks right by me <laughs> and I just felt so I was like the universe is joking because like I'm the person who's like who's Patty Smith? I think she's like a singer. And my friend is like deeply in love with her and looks like her and like wears the same clothes and had like gone home. And then I somehow like got into the talk and was like, why am I here? Anyways, it was delightful. And I heard her read her book and it was great. I had to tell you, okay, last thing and then (laughs) we'll wrap it. But uh, my favorite (laughs) thing. I like our Patty Smith tangent. Yeah, Patty Smith Tangent, it becomes the whole show. Uh, whoops, you're in a new podcast called Patty Smith Tangent with Jessica mm-hmm. Lohafer and Caitlin Morris. Uh, I went and saw her give a talk recently, just some months ago, because she has a new book out. And she did a Q&A and was reading questions. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, what do you like most about yourself? And mm-hmm. she, so she opens it, she reads it. What do I like most about myself? And then she closes it and goes, <laughs> everything. Next question. <laughs> I was like, that is what I want to be. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. I feel like that's the tone I want to end on. What do you like about yourself? Everything. everything. Maniacal laughter. Like, what? <laughs> Why are you asking me this question? <laughs> Come on. Ask me something hard. Um, that's awesome. Well, Good work, Caitlin, as always. You too. You magic little sunbeam. You're lighting up my life. You are the, this is the last task of the week, and it's a wonderful one. And I'm so oh. glad we did it together. We did it. We made it. And now producer Chad could make it beautiful. Yeah. Yay. Please do that. Oh, my God. Can I, um, wait, sorry. This is just I, for Chad. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> Um, one of my friends, Becca, who listens, heard Chad on the mini-sode, <laughs> yeah. and she, like, fanned out for a second. She was like, oh, my God, we got to hear producer Chad. He was so cool-sounding. That's so awesome. <laughs> oh, my God, we should cut it out. We don't want it to go to his head. Chad, you're not allowed joy. You're only allowed just enough food to get this editing thing done, and then you go back to your cave. Oh, uh, you've had enough breaks, Chad. <laughs> we say it like he's this horrible person he's so nice i feel like spends more hours on this than we do 100 percent, that is true we can't tell him that either okay well on that note <laughs> <laughs> no i really like that i'm glad that we we're telling him that we should tell chad nice things sometimes occasionally okay well yeah. thank you to our listeners yeah. our special listeners and we love you so much go and have a nice night Boop, 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 boop. I love it. Bye. Bye.